Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Open up our hearts, our Bibles, and just enjoy this time together. Thanks for being here. Well, before we start the video, I just wanted to give it a, a quick thank you to you all. You have been supporting us for some time. And uh, I'll turn on the this mic after uh, the video. Uh, but uh, thank you all for supporting us for the time that you have. And uh, we know you're praying for us, and you all have been an encouragement to us every time we've stopped in and come through. We did get to stop in here uh, in the summertime, and you all were an uh, encouragement to us and our kids, and we're grateful for the ministry here. Um, just so you just wanted to give you guys an update. This past four years or so, we have been in Tuktoyaktuk, Northwest Territories uh, of Canada. Uh, that's 200 miles north of the Arctic Circle. Uh, we live right on the Arctic Ocean. Now, somebody says, I live right on the Potomac River or something like that. They, they normally mean like, oh, we're not far. No, no. I walk out my front door. I can walk across the road and dip my toes in the Arctic Ocean. And so we are on the Arctic Ocean. Uh, that is home to us now. We've been there uh, long enough. That's become home. We have friends and people that we, we consider close to, to being family even in Tuck. Uh, there are times where we, we drive by airports and my son, especially my son, likes to look and see the airplanes taking off and he goes, Daddy, can me and Mommy and the girls go ahead and go home and you do furlough by yourself? He's, he's okay leaving me behind. He just wants to go back home to Tuck. And uh, it has become home to us. Um, I'll give you some updates on, on what our, our last four years have looked like after the video, but I, I just wanted you all, you all to have a chance to watch this video. Uh, it's, it's just going to be pictures and music. Nothing fancy, nothing, uh, uh, no narration even. It just, I just want you to see our home, get to see some of the beautiful, beautiful things that we get to see on a daily basis, and uh, maybe be thinking about some questions you might have for us as well. And then after the video, I'll, I'll try to give an update on, as to how the ministry has been going over the past uh, four years. But thank you. Now, um, when we had come through on deputation, we discussed our plans for our first uh, four years. Uh, the first part of our plan was our first two years, we were going to work with a gentleman named Steve Donnelly. Uh, he and his wife, Lois, are from out of, actually, not, uh, I forget what town it is, but it's another church here in Ohio. But they had been up there for about 30 years working uh, in the Arctic themselves and uh, had more experience than anyone else in the field had. And um, so we, were, we did go to work with them there, and uh, we got there, well, we got into Canada in May. And we didn't actually get to our home, at least not full-time, we weren't at our home until June 1st of uh, 2019. And so we began working with the Donleys and uh, learning from them and they were great mentors and it helped us in adjusting uh, to life in the Arctic and kind of preparing us uh, for what we could expect um, uh, in, in Arctic ministry. I dare say if, if we'd gone up without someone like them to help prepare us and, and to kind of temper our expectations and, and help us along the way, uh, we probably wouldn't have lasted more than a year. Uh, there were some things that, that were hard to understand and hard to, to grasp about the culture. Uh, if, if I had gone up without the knowledge that we had gained from the Donleys, either we would have been discouraged or our people would have run us out because I would have said some things that I shouldn't have said and done some things I shouldn't have done. But there were some things about the culture that we just didn't, we didn't know, understand and expect, and thankfully the Donleys were there to help us understand those things. However... While we were there, uh, 2019, we got there and we were seeing 20 to 25 people on any given Sunday in our church. It was incredible. Uh, there, were, there were only four of us at the time, uh, but, uh, but nonetheless, that, that would have been 
you know, uh, uh, 21 people visiting the church. And we were excited about it. We were seeing that kind of growth and and uh, uh, we thought, wow, this, uh, when we were here before, I think I told you guys, of course, we didn't know much about it. It was 2016. We we're still learning. Uh, I told you all this would be a slow work. It was going to take time. And uh, the one established church in the Arctic, uh, in our part of the Arctic, took 31 years to get a Canadian pastor. 31 years in one town with one ministry. So we said, well, we're in it for the long haul. This is going to take some time. And, you know, if that's what the Lord has for us, then we'll be there for that long. But we're looking around at 20, 25 people showing up every Sunday, and we're going, you know, maybe it won't be that long after all. <laughs> maybe the Lord's going to move things along quickly. So we were excited about it. And uh, the Donleys, of course, were always careful to say, hey, now remember, you know, only a few of these people that are here know the Lord. Well, that's true, but they're coming, they're hearing the gospel. We were excited about it. And um, then we had our Christmas Eve service. Now, Christmas Eve, we have a midnight service. It's a candlelight service. It's a big deal. Uh, we invite everybody out. Uh, we had almost, I, I want to say we had 50 people in the building. And it was a midnight service, candlelight service. 50 people showed up. And I'm going, wow, this is incredible. We're going to have to expand. We don't have enough room here for this many people. This is, this is great. We had a New Year's get-together. Again, uh, going to be at midnight. We had 40-some-odd people there still packed out the building. And I'm like, wow, this is incredible. Uh, the next Sunday, we had, you know, almost 30 people in the church. Yes, the Lord's really, you know, working here. And I was thinking, you know, by the time I'm ready to be the senior pastor, we'll be ready to hand this thing over to a, uh, an indigenous pastor. You know, the way things are going, this is wonderful. And uh, March of 2020 happened. You know, keep in mind, we got there June 2019. New Year's was, things were beautiful. New Year's 2020. Everybody talked about 2020 vision <laughs> and had that slogan. And we saw what happened in 2020. If we had 2020 vision, we probably wouldn't have talked so much about 2020 vision. <laughs> um, now, I know that you guys had to deal with some, a lot of restrictions here. Uh, we did do, we were talking about it uh, the other night, that we did some type of a live stream while you guys were under that. I, for us, it was a lockdown, I guess, kind of similar for you guys as well. Uh, how long were you guys out of, out of 70 days out of church? Or not out of church, but out of the building. We were almost a full year before we were allowed to meet again. Now, understand that in a lot of states, and I'm not sure how it was here, it was a suggestion that you don't meet in person. In a lot of states, it was not a requirement. Um, where we were, it was an absolute requirement. Uh, it was a $1,000 fine the first time, and I think the second time could be jail time. And we did have some pastors who broke the restrictions and went to jail in southern Canada. Several pastors did. Not all, from, not all Baptists, but I know of a couple of conservative Baptist pastors that served jail time. Uh, months, months in jail for holding services during the, restriction, the, the COVID lockdowns. And so uh, we were really getting impatient. Um, but one day I got a call from Steve Donnelly. Now, thankfully, I, it was easy for me. Steve Donnelly is much wiser than I am, much more patient than I am in a lot of ways. And he said, all right, we're going to abide by the regulations and the rules. We're just going to ride this thing out. I said, oh, okay, well, let's do that. So we had online services like a lot of churches did. And after several months, he gives me a phone call. And he says, hey, Roy. Now, by the way, our restrictions also were we weren't allowed to visit our next door neighbor. You weren't allowed to go to anyone's house but your own. You weren't allowed to stand within six feet of someone outside. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't a warning. It wasn't a, hey, you might not want to do this. No, no, it was fines and then jail time if you keep doing it. And so, I don't know. It's hard to plant a church when you can't be face-to-face -face with somebody. It's hard to plant a church when you can't go over to somebody's house and spend time with them. Uh, when you can't meet together in one building. It is hard to plant a church. And so uh, Steve Donnelly calls me up one day and says, Hey, Roy, he says, you know, I can't come over to your house. No, sir. You can't come to my house. No, sir. Really, we can just talk over the phone. Uh-huh, that's right. We can talk on the phone from anywhere. Mm-hmm, that, that's true. I knew where he was going. You see, the Lord had already called them to go down to Whitehorse, in the Yukon, it's the capital of the Yukon, it's about a 19 hour drive from us, 18 to 19 hours. And he had been led to start an indigenous ministry there. 
in Whitehorse. And we were excited about it. However, they weren't supposed to go for a little over a year. And he said, I believe the Lord's leading us to go now because all the things that we're doing here, we can do over the phone and we can get, get off the ground with the ministry there. And I said, well, all right then. And we, we, we talked about it, we prayed about it. And of course we were excited for them to get started. And they went on their way and our mentorship went from two years to less than a year. And next thing you know, in the middle of COVID and the restrictions with us still doing online services, I'm the senior pastor. Oh boy, <laughs> what am I into now? And so uh, we continued on online services and, and we did what we needed to do. However, shortly after he left and I became the senior pastor, that little American gene that's inside of most of us started to peek up its ugly head, okay? You know, you know that, 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 that thing inside that says, nobody tells me what to do. <laughs> that thing that says, hold on a second, I've got my freedoms, I've got my rights. How dare you tell me what I can and can't do? And it started to peek up its head, and I started talking about it to Justine and, and some other ministry guys in the ministry. You know, should I just... Should I just thumb my nose at the law and say, no, I'm going to do this anyway. Lord's commanded me to preach and teach the gospel, and I'm just going to do it. And I wanted to. I wanted to so bad just to start up church and say, well, this is ridiculous. It's been almost a whole year, and I was upset. I was mad. But then I got thinking about it. I said, well, you know, there's fines and jail time. Well, you know what? I'll pay the fines. I'll do the jail time. This isn't right. We're going to have church. And I got thinking about it. I said, wait a minute, you dummy. You're an American. You're not a Canadian. You're not going to pay a fine. You're not going to get jail time. You'll get deported. <laughs> They'll just kick you out of the country. And so I started going logically in my head, hold on a second, slow down. If I get deported, then there's nothing going on here. And all this was for nothing. And so I had to swallow my pride and, and, and put on my happy face. And by the way, I, I believe a person could preach both ways. A person could preach, here's all the reasons that we should be in church no matter what the government says. And a person could easily also preach from scripture, here's all the reasons we need to obey the government in this, in this time. And I'm not here to say one way or the other, okay? I'm not trying to tell you one way or the other. I'm just telling you how I felt, all right? I'm not saying I was right. I'm saying that's how I felt. All that said, uh, finally the restrictions were lifted. We were able to meet. We still had to space out our chairs. We had to wear masks. We had to do a lot of other things. And we got together and said, all right, we're going to have, well, we probably won't have 25. We might have 20. Uh, you know, we probably won't even have 20. We'll, we'll probably have 15. At least 10 people are going to show up for church. And so I got there. We were all excited. Got everything set up. We put out the mask at the front door and the hand sanitizer because everybody needed that. And had the, everything spread out just right. And we went out with like measuring tape and measured every chair to make sure it was right in the right spot. Did a deep clean of the place. And, and everything was perfect and set up. I worked on the slides and stuff. For my, I very rarely do slides and things for my um, for, or PowerPoints for my uh, uh, messages. But I had those all set up and right, and all of our songs were up on the screen, everything. I had it all ready to go, and I'm all excited. One lady showed up. One lady. And so we sat down with her, sweet lady, very faithful lady, and we sat with her, and we had a devotional that night and fellowshiped and spent time with her. Sweet time of fellowship. Next week, the same lady. The next week, the same lady. The next week, the same lady. After several weeks, a second lady came. A couple more weeks, one gentleman came along with them. So we had now had three visitors outside of our family. Okay, <laughs> well, maybe this is going to take a while after all. And we just kept going, trying to be faithful, doing what the Lord had called us to do, plodding along. And praise the Lord, after a long stretch of, of struggles that we had there, our last service we had before furlough, we had 18 people. In the service. And so the Lord is growing the church there. Now we have a gentleman named Riley Featherstone. He works in Inuvik, an hour to, uh, a town two hours south of us. Um, he's been coming up every other weekend to hold services for, uh, for us. And um, when he can make it up there, when the weather permits and all of that, he'll come up. 
And he's reported that at every service he's seen, with the exception of a few, there have been a couple of services where we've had short numbers, and several of the services he's seen 16, 17, 18 people in church. And many of those people are first-time visitors who've never been to the church before. And so even in our absence, which is what we've been praying for, even in our absence, the Lord is continuing to grow the ministry there, and we're thankful for what he's doing. Um, there is so, so much that I want to talk about about the Arctic, but I can stand up here for hours and hours talking about the Arctic and never answer your questions. And so I want to take time to, uh, any questions you have about us, about our ministry, about the Arctic itself, our region, anything at all, and then I will take the time that I have left at the end and I'll give you something from God's word. We'll, we'll see how much time we have at the end. But I'll let you guys decide. However many questions you have, we'll answer them. All right. Yes, sir. In the freezing weather, how do you keep your, I saw in the picture, fuel oil from gelling? Okay. There is an anti-gel additive put into the oil for the fuel. And that works in those freezing things? It, it does. We also have these double-walled tanks. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we, don't have, we haven't had much trouble with, with the freezing on it. Mm -hmm. uh, trees cannot grow where we live. So we no firewood, no well, there is. Uh, our firewood comes from either I have to drive two hours south to get to standing wood where I can cut those trees and then haul them back, which I do sometimes because honestly it's easier. Um, or I'll go out on my snowmobile with a sled behind me. I'll take a chainsaw and I'll take an axe and I'll take a farm jack. And I go out and a little bit extra fuel. And I'll go out and uh, I will find some wood that's stuck in the ice, some driftwood. Uh, see, the, the Mackenzie River runs up to where we are in the, in the Arctic Ocean, and it just flips these entire huge logs, entire trees, roll around in the Mackenzie River when it breaks up every season with the ice. And so you can actually watch, if you go out during breakup, and these logs, these huge 100-foot-long logs are just tipping end over end breaking apart in this river because of all the ice pushing it's that powerful but it comes out to the ocean it becomes driftwood it gets stuck out in the ocean i go out i chop the ice out around a piece of wood when i find one that's good for burning and then uh, i'll chop the ice out around it i'll take a farm jack get it lifted up high enough that i can hook up something to, to kind of tip it out of that hole um, and then i go to cutting it into eight eight or nine foot lengths and i put it in my sled drag it home and process it Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. And how do you get acclimated on a lot of nights, a lot of days, consecutive, you know, with the, where you are? So north? Our first two years were not bad. Didn't bother us a bit. Um, it is a little bit weird at nighttime having kids playing outside for three days straight. You know, kids will just leave the house in the morning and not come back for three days, and that's normal up there. Not our kids, but a lot of kids will do that, and that's normal. From like six years old on up, they just kind of do their own thing. Uh, because you have so much sunlight. Um, that was a little bit odd, but, but we didn't mind it. Um, there was this one spot on my couch in my living room, the house we lived in, then, where at 2 in the morning, the light came right through my window, just right, hit me right in the eye. And so uh, that always bugged me. But other than that, it was, it was okay. Um, the nighttime, the, the dark wasn't bad either, as long as we stayed busy. If we were busy and we were working, it didn't bother us a bit. We had a lot of things to do, and we were fine. However, the last two years, the first one because we had Kaya, who's in the, in the nursery, um, there was a lot of issues where we, had, I, we weren't able to get out in the land and be as busy as we would have liked because we were waiting on this baby to come. We actually got very depressed that year uh, because we just, we, we didn't see much sunlight. Uh, we didn't see any sunlight, excuse me. And we were inside a lot and we were sitting around. We weren't being very active and we became depressed. And so we used these sad lights. Um, they're seasonal affective disorder lights. They're these little lights that mimic UV lights. We'd sit under those. We'd take vitamin D supplements um, and, you know, just try to do something active to, to help. That did help. However, it, it became difficult. And then this last one, getting ready for furlough, was also a little bit hard because we were getting ready for furlough. We couldn't do as much outside as we would have liked to. We have grizzly bears and we have polar bears. Had a polar bear walk right into town. In the video, you saw some paw prints up on the logs. We had a polar bear walk right into town about a month before we came down for furlough. Um, there have been bear attacks. However, we thankfully haven't lost any children up that way. The other day, our friend Josephine 
uh, saw some kids walking out on the ice toward the Pingos, those big hills that you see in our video, they look, or on our table too, they look kind of like volcanoes almost. They're not, they're actually underground lakes that push up these big mounds, is what they are. They freeze and they push up these mounds of dirt. Uh, they were walking towards those, and she looked and walking in the other direction where they couldn't see was a big grizzly. And so she ran outside, still in her pajamas, hopped on a snowmobile, ran over, grabbed the kids, and got them inside. And so, you know, you do have to watch out. Those things can happen. And uh, the bears and things do walk right up into town sometimes. Grizzlies are, are more likely, we're more likely to see grizzlies than we are to see polar bears, though. But yes, sir. Yes, sir. Cultural problems, or, or as in things that we just diff had difficulty with, culture shock, or sure, okay. Uh, well, one example would be, and I want to be careful. I say this because I know this is live streamed and things. I, I want to be careful how I put this. There's an incredible emphasis on the land and on nature there. Uh, the people there really respect the land; they love it. Um, they think time on the land is as good as medicine. They really believe that. And in some ways, it, it probably is very good for them to be out on the land for a lot of different reasons. Um, so if the geese come in, they call out of work. They'll call out of work for a month at a time and go camping. And that's normal. Um, the kids don't have to go to school if they are on the land with their families. It's counted as a school day. And so there are kids that'll go to school maybe one day a week the whole year and still graduate. And so I say that to say, if you're not keeping your kids in school on a regular basis because you want to be out on the land fishing and hunting and things like that. You're not going to work on a regular basis because you're out fishing, hunting, and all that. You're probably not going to be in church either. And so that was something that was very frustrating to me to see fairly mature Christians just go AWOL, completely missing for uh, a month or two at a time. And that was very frustrating for me. And there were other things as well that go along with it. Um, not from the mature Christian folks that are there, but there is a lot of alcohol and substance abuse that's there. Um, people are very kind and very sweet um, until those substances are involved. And there are certain times of the month and there are certain times of the year where you can't walk outside without having an encounter with someone who's under the influence, heavily under the influence. And so that was a little bit difficult to, to adjust to. That's not something we were used to seeing here as much. You, you run into that here but it's not quite as, as normal in a small community as it is in a small community. Our town has less than 1,000 people, so everyone knows everyone, and so we see it a lot more there. Yes, sir. We saw three days hit 80 degrees last summer, three different days. So it can get warm. Mind you, we have seen it get as low as minus 70 before, just for a little bit, and then it came back up. But... Uh, Minus 70. Yes, sir. Well, um, our, our, we do have two grocery, st grocery stores in town. They're very small. One of them is not much bigger than this room, really. It's about the size, maybe a little bit bigger than this room. Stanton, maybe a little bigger? Bigger or smaller? Smaller than this room, you think? Okay. She, you know, the boss spoke. That's a little bit smaller <laughs> than this room. Uh, uh, the other one's probably close to the size of this, northern, close to the size of this room. Um, the selection is very limited and it's very expensive. Uh, I like Coke Zero. Coca-Cola Coca Zero, that's my favorite drink to drink. I mean, I don't need any more sugar anyway, but uh, Coke Zero kind of helps with that. Uh, but I, I, I like it. And uh, a 12 pack of Coke Zero here, you know, you can find it on sale for $4, right? Give or take. We pay $20 where we're at. A uh, gallon of milk, which is more relatable to most people, about $15 for a gallon of milk. Um, uh, a block of butter, now think four sticks of butter, 
they, they sell it by the block. A block of butter is about seven, eight dollars for a block. Um, eggs are about the same. <laughs> I know eggs went up here. When we got here, the eggs didn't really change for us. We were already paying that price uh, when we were up there. Our gas prices, now it's by the liter. Uh, it, it pushes close to $10 a gallon though, whenever you break it down. It's close to $10 a gallon we pay. Um, and then uh, our fuel, our heating fuel, same thing. Diesel is up there. It was 265 a liter last I checked. So it's also pushing close to $10 a gallon, um, which is very expensive. So the reason we go and get firewood and burn that is because our heating oil does work. However, if I just, in fact, this winter, the church building, we didn't have any fires going because we weren't there. Uh, we paid something like, I think it was $1,600 a month just for heat in the church building. And, and by the way, the church building is, is uh, 24 by, it's not large. <laughs> you saw the pictures. It's a very small building. I, I can't remember the length of it, uh, but it's a very small building that we have. And so uh, we have to do a lot of working to get firewood. Walmart, uh, we do do uh, supply runs, but Walmart is about an 18 or 19 hour drive away. And so once a year, COVID messed that up, but once a year we try to make a supply run south and take about three to four days. I'll go by myself where I have so far, going by myself, drive 19 hours one way, sleep overnight, do a bunch of shopping and drive 19 hours back and fill up my whole truck. And it does actually save money doing it that way. Um, but we try to do that once a year for some of the non-perishable type things and some of the cleaning supplies. Um, is that, is that kind of the stuff that you were looking for? We do yeah. get a lot of hunting and fishing up there as well, and people give us fish and, and meat and things that helps. So for us, door knocking would be awkward in our area because uh, less than a thousand people. Uh, people already know who you are. They know why you're there. Uh, we were there for less than a week and Justine had something that she realized, we just don't need this. She put it on Facebook Marketplace. Someone said, ooh, I'll buy that. And they came to, they, they wanted to buy it. So, okay, well we live, let me tell you where my address is. No, no, I know where you are. Okay. And sure enough, they came and they knew exactly where we were, who we were, what we were doing. And so um, there's a little bit of awkwardness with just the door-to-door. -door. Uh, however, if you go to the store every day, you're going to run into half a town. If you go for a walk down the road, you're going to see half of the town. If they have a big get-together, a feast, you'll see all of the town And if you, if you just go to that. Um, so there are ways that you can become part of the community and be out and spend time with people. My average day in ministry looks like getting up when I get up, which is late because everyone gets up late there, uh, get up kind of late, sit around with coffee for a bit, rest, relax, look outside and say, ah, I probably need to shovel some snow. So I go outside, shovel some snow. Ah, I probably need to chop some wood, go out, chop some wood. Oh, I need to work on the snowmobile, work on the snowmobile. What time is it? Hey, so-and-so is probably awake now. I haven't talked to him for a while and I'll hop on the snowmobile and ride over and visit with so-and-so and I'll sit with him for an hour or two and just talk and chat and Oh, well, I got to run to the store and I'll run over to the store and I'll talk to about 20 more people at the store just being friendly. And then, oh, yeah, so-and-so, I forgot about him. So I swing over and talk to that person for a while. And it's a lot of just being, think, it, it, it's not as uh, uh, sweet and pretty. It's not as, as wholesome as Mayberry. But think Mayberry. You know, you walk along the main street and you talk to everybody and get to know people. And, and that's, that's kind of how, how we've gone about doing it um, at this point. Uh, we, may, we may have some outreach things we'll do in the future. And we're looking at some special services and things that we'd like to have one day up there.
Yes, ma'am. That was a church building. Mm-hmm. So, so when uh, about two years ago, uh, we after a lot of prayer and seeing some cost issues that we were having where we were living, um, along with some other opportunities and some people in the church kind of encouraging me to do this, uh, we added an apartment to the end of the church so we could have a place to live on the church building. And so that's what we, that's what we were working on. Uh, we had just enough room there for a living room and a kitchen but not enough room for bedrooms. And so we added a 12 by 24 space to add some bedrooms on. And so we have a three bedroom, one bathroom, less than 700 square foot apartment. And that's what we live at there in the church. And that's what we were working on. We were preparing that. I had a work crew coming and those big beams that were there, I think they were 10 by 10 beams if I remember right. Uh, My wife was very pregnant. She would have helped me. However, she was pregnant and I wouldn't let her help me. And so this team was coming and there's a whole process to leveling everything out there and the beams needed to be set before those guys got there so we could frame in the house. And so I wound up carrying some beams <laughs> and setting them and everything. Uh, yes, ma'am. That's the uh, Aurora, the Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights. Um, from my understanding, it's, it's charged, some kind of charged particles in the sky. I don't fully understand it. I've read a bunch of stuff and it's, it's above my head. Um, however, I know that it, it is beautiful. Uh, I know there's a lot of myths and things about it that are up there that, that, we, that people enjoy talking about and old wives' tales, so to speak, that are, are, are surround it. Um, this last year, we saw it more than ever. I don't know why that is, but this last year, it seemed like every single clear night we saw them outside. And uh, those pictures were taken with our phones. They weren't anything fancy. We just, night mode on your phone kicks on, you hold it still for five seconds, and those are the pictures you get. Um, We saw them almost every single night, even New Year's Eve, they had fireworks going, and behind the fireworks, we had the Aurora uh, firing off behind the fireworks. It was incredible, beautiful. Uh, we're very privileged to get to see it on a regular basis. Yes, sir. There is a lot of government subsidy there. There is some tourism. Uh, who here? Are there any hunters in here? Any hunters at all? A couple. How many hunters here think it would be kind of neat to get a polar bear? It would be kind of one of those things. You know, I mean, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that are like, I need a polar bear for some reason. And uh, a polar bear hunt is legal. You can't bring the polar bear across to the U.S. For whatever reason, that's illegal. But you can go and hunt in Canada and get a polar bear. And there are guys that do it every single year. And it only costs them about $50,000. And so there's a lot of, of money in the tourism up there and hunting and fishing and things. Um, a lot of government subsidy, a lot of government subsidy, a lot of government jobs. Uh, we do have an, uh, a, a gas, natural gas well that's being put in right now. And so that'll bring in some jobs. We did have some oil exploration, shell oil or the Canadian equivalent of shell oil that was up there. Um, uh, they got shut down by a liberal administration and when they got shut down, they pulled all of their resources out. And so a lot of people were left without jobs. Uh, people were very impoverished where we're at. Mind you, if they were here with the same amount of money that they have there, uh, they'd be okay. Uh, if we lived in, in this, well, I'm not sure if, yeah, if we lived in this region with our income that we have to survive up there, we would do okay. But up there, we're a lot closer to the poverty line just due to the cost of living that's there. A lot of people will hunt, fish, take care of their families in that way, trapping and all of that. However, uh, they're also using government housing and government helps in other ways. And so they are working. It's just that they're not providing financially without the help of the government there. Hope that makes sense. I, I thought you had a question here too. I'll, I'll, yes, ma'am. Four years, just under four years from, so we got our place there. We first got there in January of uh, 2019 
and then we had to leave for a bit to finish up some things on deputation and get things ready. Uh, so we were at about three and a half, almost, almost four years of being there full time, but about four years since we first got up there. Yes, ma'am. Um, because we had guys like Steve Donnelly kind of helped us through and, and, and gave us an idea of what we could expect, it didn't catch us off guard too badly. Um, COVID threw us for a loop. We really weren't expecting that. That slowed everything down. A lot of the things that we wanted to do and ideas that we had that we thought we were going to be doing in this ministry just didn't happen because of COVID. And um, so we're praying now even how we're going to go from there. For instance, children's Sunday school classes. We thought we were going to be doing that a couple of years ago. We thought we were going to be incorporating children's Sunday school classes, and we didn't really start them until, what, six months before, before furlough, uh, just because things had slowed down so much and it, it caused issues there. Um, there are a few things that caught us off guard. Um, COVID, again, caused much of it. Being away from family, I, I'm not a mushy, gushy person. I don't have to be with my family all the time. I love my family. Not, not, I'm not talking about these guys. These, these guys, yeah, okay. I'm talking about like my extended family, my parents, grandparents, my brother, my sister. I love them. But I don't have to see them every day, okay? I'm okay with, like, my wife and kids talk to my parents a lot more than I do. <laughs> I talk to them. I love them. But I've never been, you know, attached at the hip of my family. We're all kind of independent. We were surprised by just how much we missed having family around. And Facebook and uh, FaceTime or Skype or Zoom or all these different things that are out there now, they're great tools for keeping in touch with your family. They're amazing. But sometimes they make it a little bit worse because you see what's going on back at your parents' house and the grandparents' house. and You see all the things that you're missing out on. And it, it can make things a little bit tougher sometimes. And uh, we were, we were uh, talking, uh, we, we had a big family get together in Pennsylvania a couple weeks ago. We were all sitting and talking and uh, they were deciding what they wanted to do. And Justine and I had an idea like, hey, let's just go out and do this. And we had some plan. And the family's like, why would you want to do that? I'm like, well, because cause like, it'll be great. We'll go out, we'll get to the have time. And they said, but like, we can do that anytime. Must be nice. <laughs> you guys can do it at any time. We, do, you know, a lot of things that we just don't get to do because we're not around our family. Um, you know, you can't just drop off the kids with grandparents and, and spend a day or two out on your own. You're together all the time. <laughs> and so uh, there were some things that we just kind of uh, missed about family. We didn't expect to, to, to feel that way as much as we did. But yeah. I have one more question here. I think I'm going to get right into God's word very quickly. Yes, ma'am. A lot of fish. A lot. There's a lot of meat. Uh, whale is, is is actually beluga whale are actually hunted in the summer. Um, so there is some whale meat and muktuk, whale blubber. I've had it three, four ways. I've had it raw, right off the whale. They're working. Here, eat this. Yes, sir. It's not bad. I've had it boiled. I've had it baked. I've had it fermented. Now, fermented is, is not fermented like wine's fermented. Fermented's like, like they put it in a bucket and sit it in a dark closet for a couple months. And then they bring it out when it starts getting some color to it. And then you eat it that way. That's my least favorite, but it's not horrible. Um, so there's a lot of high-fat, high-protein diets. Um, and then now, because groceries are so easy to get there, though they are expensive, there's a lot of processed foods that people have in their diet now. Um, but, yeah, it's a very high-protein diet. Um, we do have caribou. Uh, we have um, berries up there. You can pick berries. There's, you saw in the video... Uh, we have uckpicks uk or cloudberries, cranberries, crowberries, blueberries, a lot of berries. And we have, uh, there's a lot of lichen up there, which is something that only caribou can digest. We can't. 
apparently years ago, I'm talking a long, hundreds of years ago, the indigenous people used to get to this, they're kind of like cows, they have more than one stomach, I guess, the caribou, and they would get to one of the stomachs because it had been processed enough, and they could take the lichen that we couldn't eat without dying, but the caribou had digested it enough that they were able to get the vitamins and nutrients out of that lichen from the caribou. And so a lot of interesting things like that from you know thousands of years ago that they did. Um, there is a little bit of seal hunting, though not as much in our area as more of an eastern thing. Every once in a while somebody will get a seal, though. But the, the, yeah, very high-fat, high-protein diet where we're at. I, I saw your hand go up too. I'll go ahead and get one more if, if you had a question. Yes, sir. How, how many hours to a day? Well, we, we would have, so the sun sets um, around American Thanksgiving and doesn't rise again until sometime middle of January. January, was it 17th this year? Doesn't rise till January. So about a month and a half where the sun never rises at all in the winter. I'm sorry? You don't see the sun at all. It stays below the horizon. Uh, now, you'll see a little bit of light from it, but it stays below the horizon. And then you'll have a month and a half in the summer where the sun stays in the sky the whole time and kind of circles town. I always say I feel like I'm in a microwave. You ever see a microwave, how the dish kind of spins and, like, the light stays in the same spot? I feel like I'm on that dish, and I keep seeing, oh, there's the sun. 24 hours later, oh, there it is again. You know, it, it just keeps going around, or it seems like it's going around. And uh, even when it's cold out, if the sun is up 24 hours a day, your house gets hot. Your house gets really hot. It makes your house like an oven. Turn with me, if you would, very quickly to Philippians chapter 4. And this is a verse that almost every one of you in here could probably quote or have at least heard at some point in your life. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day and everything you give us. I thank you for sending your son down the cross for us. Love us. We're in love with Lord. I ask you, please, bless this time together. Bless your word. Work in our lives. Change us to be more like you. Uh, we know your word will not return void. And Lord, uh, I ask that you would please use it today. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, how many of you have heard that verse quoted by some form of a celebrity, okay? Celebrities really like this verse. I can do all things through Christ, especially athletes. There's a couple athletes out there, a couple different athletes I have seen that have Philippians 4.13 or some rendition or part of it tattooed on their arm, on their chest, somewhere, they've got it tattooed. Uh, there was a basketball player a few years back, I can't remember which one it was, it doesn't matter who it was, he was showing off his new tattoo, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's why I know I'm going to win the championship. Oh, boy. Well, here's my question. What if on the other team, what if on the other, listen, you make it all the way to the finals, but on the other team, there's another guy that has the same tattoo and says the same thing. You can't both win. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, one of you is going to lose, right? You can't both do all things. There's this idea that goes around that I can do all things. If I want to jump off this building, I know the Lord is going to save me and take care of me because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My kids and I, we like to go out bike riding, and we do some things that are questionable at times on our bikes. And we do things that are dangerous sometimes, a little bit dangerous. We're careful. We wear helmets and all that. And, um, you know, it doesn't take long to realize I can't do just whatever I want. I was riding the other day. I've got two bruised knees, okay, because I was riding the other day, and I hit a jump kind of funny, and I went over the handlebars, and I landed on my knees, and thankfully my knees before my face. And can I tell you, I found out really fast, you know, there's some things I just can't do. There's some things that, you know, it, it takes some work. It takes some effort. What has happened with this verse is people have taken this verse and they've applied the American dream to it, okay? So the American dream is I'm going to have two cars, I'm going to have a big house, I'm going to have a pretty wife, and I'm going to have 2.5 kids, and I'm going to have my retirement set up, everything's going to be perfect and wonderful, and whatever you want to be, you can be it. 
I thank the Lord that, this, that I came from a nation, I was born in a nation where that is somewhat the case, that there are a lot of opportunities that are here that aren't afforded in every other country. We're not the only country that has opportunities, but we are one of the, the few in the world that have the opportunities that we have here. I'm thankful for that. However, people have taken this verse and said, you know what? I, I can do whatever I want to do. I can follow my heart and be what I want to be. And if I have Jesus with me, it's even better. Because he's going to help me be whatever I want to be. That is not what this verse says. That is not what this verse teaches. It teaches, if you read back here in uh, uh, verse 10, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Uh, so let's go to verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of what, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, Paul, at the very beginning, we're not going to go there for the sake of time, at the very beginning of, of Paul's Christian life, a man named Ananias is called by the Lord to go to Paul because Paul is blind, and he's praying. He's been praying for three days. He hasn't eaten. He hasn't drank anything. He hasn't slept. He's been praying nonstop to the Lord, asking the Lord what he would have him to do. And Ananias is told, go, go to Paul. Go, 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 go to him. Uh, he's, he's praying. He says, Lord, don't you know? Don't you know that this is the man that's been going around and killing uh, uh, people from the church or dragging people from the church off to the, the high priest to be killed and executed? Don't you know he's the one that was standing there and killed Stephen? And the Lord looks at him and says, go to him, for he must, uh, uh, how is it worded? Uh, essentially, he will see what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. The Lord, from the beginning of Paul's Christian life, had determined that it was God's perfect will that Paul would suffer. Paul would go through difficulty. That was God's will for Paul's life. But he would not do it alone. See, he would have Christ with him. Paul prayed three times for a thorn in the flesh to be taken away from him. And the Lord said, no. Why? Because God's strength was made perfect in his weakness. You see, Paul had learned that with the Lord's help, he could handle any situation. He could deal with any uh, 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 difficulty, anything that, any, any scary situation he was in, any hardship he went through. With the Lord's help, he could get through it. He could do all things through Christ. Now, why am I going to this verse? Every church I go to, and it's okay if you said this to me, it's okay, don't, don't worry. I'm not, I'm not offended. I'm not bothered by it. But I get told this every church I go to. I'm glad you're in the Arctic, brother, because I can't do that. I'm not able to go. I'm glad you are. I just couldn't do that. I could never do what you do. Well, why not? Well, it's cold. Well, it's dark. Well, it's expensive. Well, it's on down the line. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter what the Lord calls you to, he will equip you to do it. If the Lord has called you to do it, you can do it through him. Now, he will call you to something that's too hard for you. He will call you to something that you cannot physically do yourself. But he will never call you to anything that he is not able to empower you to do. Here's why that statement bothers me. I could never about anything, about any mission field, anywhere. I could never go there. They have snakes. I could never go there. It's too hot. I could never go there. It's too cold. I could never go there. It's too dark. I could never go there. It's uh, uh, the hard language and go down the list. Maybe it's here. I could never talk to that person. They're too different. I could never talk to this person. They're too mean. I could never talk to that person. They look scary. Go down the list. And we say, I could never, I could never. Listen, there are people that live in Tuktiuktuk. Their, their ancestors lived in the Arctic for thousands of years. Thousands of years. 
and by the sweat of their own brow, by their own hard work, their own determination, we talked about the food and things and the things they had to do to survive, by their own determination, they survived and they thrived physically. And they did it without Christ. What does it say about our Savior when we have the indwelling Holy Spirit, when we have Christ in our life and we say, I can't do something that someone has been doing for thousands of years without the Lord. Listen, if you have Christ in you, you trust him for eternity, why can't, and by the way, I'm preaching to myself, why can't you trust him for today? Why can't you trust him for tomorrow? If you can trust him to save you from the, the, the fires of hell, why can't you trust him to protect you from some frostbite? I've had frostbite, it's not that bad. <laughs> Listen, there is nothing that the Lord will call you to that he's not able to empower you to do. Don't get that idea. Because there are people in this world that work hard and they survive and they make it by the sweat of their own brow without the power of Christ on their life. Like I gotta tell you, they don't have peace. They don't have eternal security. They don't know where they're going for eternity, but they are essentially happy in a human sense. They don't have the peace that passes understanding. They don't have eternal security. You have those things. They don't have the empowering Holy Spirit in their life. You do, if you know the Lord. There is no place, there's nowhere, there's no one that the Lord could ever call you to that he is not able to empower you to reach. Don't tell the Lord, I can't. We should be like Isaiah, here am I, send me. Yes, Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for today. Lord, I ask you, please work in our lives. Help us to see souls the way that you see them. Help us to trust you to do whatever it is you call us and lead us to do. Lord, I ask that we would see many people come to know you as Savior through the next several uh, months. Lord, that the folks here would be able to reach out in their own community and reach folks that you call them to reach. Folks that you called all of us to reach. Lord, work in our lives. Make us like you. Keep us in your will. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. for challenging us about trusting the Lord. We can take that. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.